Oh, baby. Episode 24, Fox and Fallon. What a week it was. We finally hit NFL season, and we are like kids in a candy store. Kids in a candy store. And, I mean, the NFL news, especially on the Patriots side, just keeps breaking (laughs) and, and toppling like... Da, da, da. It's like domino. It's like a domino. Effect. Like a domino effect. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Sometimes I just say things, and Tanya just finishes <laughs> my sentences. That's how it rolls. Um, a lot of Raiders news, a lot of Patriots news, a lot of Antonio Brown news, a lot of roster moves, and then we got the rest of the NFL, which yeah, I'm. It was pretty important this week. It was massive, and it it, it went totally unpredictably. It was such a good week one. Because you go into it thinking one thing, and we came out of it with so many different impressions. People on different teams than they than we thought they would be on. It really was uh, an embarrassment of riches for people in NFL media this week. More than even usual. Well, the Raiders, they won without Antonio Brown last night on Monday Night Football. Where do we stand on this gamble of them letting go of Antonio Brown, him coming to the Patriots... And how will it work out for New England? That is the big question. One of our topics today. Tanya, you chime in your two cents before we move on to topic number two of the headlines. As per usual, I always have to give my quick two cents and I have to say. (laughs) Tanya, Tanya interrupts me. She's like, Courtney, am I going to say something or are you just going to like roll through the headlines? You're just going to roll through the headlines and forget you have a co-host girl? What is up? No. Uh, No, I've been been really going ham on Twitter about the Antonio Brown stuff. Uh... I was drunk at a bar on Saturday when it happened, <laughs> so that was a scene. I was I was on a plane, and I was like, and what just happened? Well, it was funny because you were on a plane, and you were the first person I obviously went to text, and I was like, oh my god, she's on a plane, missing this total shit show right now. No Wi-Fi. Thank you, Delta. I love you, but bleep you. <laughs> yeah. For not having any Wi-Fi on this flight, I was Which like, you know what, been, fucking forget it. It might have been the biggest Patriots news in, like, years. I can't think no. of... What? What is it? What what kind oh, of sort of whatever? Like, you know what? Don't just try to discredit me for missing <laughs> the fucking you, biggest news of the you season. You tried to discredit we're, we're, me. Stop it! For stop call. it! Stop it! I'm stop just it! Just saying. Hey, someone had to be flying back from New York. Miss the into all the excitement. Okay, just shut up. Anyways, all right. So that. topic number two. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna do with some good, bad, and the ugly first impressions of the NFL season. We won't preview that. We're just going to surprise you on our thoughts on week one, and then. Topic number three, who stood out as a legit early contenders in the AFC and in the NFC? The Saints should have lost to the Texans in week one with no offensive line, but but who could supplant them in the championship games this year? I, this is pretty much a toss-up in my mind. Yeah, I'm excited to get into that because both those teams, like, it was one of those things where they looked good enough and they won, but I'm not convinced either of them are as good as they were last year so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as we get through the conversation all right well a lot of patriots news obviously surrounding antonio brown the roster moves that they had today trading demarius thomas away to the new york jets we will get to all of that but the big crux of the conversation surrounds the raiders without antonio brown remarkable to say that the raiders did not get antonio brown in their black and silver jersey not in a regular season game. Not in a regular season not. game. I mean, it's remarkable. Yeah. I, the Raiders beat the Broncos handedly on Monday Night Football. Josh Jacobs, the star of the game. So all things aside, how do we feel about the Raiders' situations post-AB? Tanya, you go first. I mean, I think it's really hard to draw a ton from the first game. Number one, they were playing emotionally. And I think that Derek Carr, he had a, a surprisingly good year last year considering... You know, he kind of went under the radar because the, the Raiders were bad. 
but he was as good as as advertised and they're playing emotionally they were playing a Denver team with a new quarterback and a new head coach on a baseball field in Oakland so I don't know that we got a, the full picture of what the Broncos are capable of but we did get a pretty good picture of the ceiling for the Raiders and it turns out the ceiling is they can beat middling teams, and that's kind of how I feel about them. I don't see them as a contender. They're in an incredibly difficult division. They're not better than the Chiefs, and they're definitely not better than the Chargers. So I think it really just comes down to like, hey, you know what? You guys pull it together. Good for you. Now we're going to stop talking about you for the rest of the season because I do really genuinely believe that by week three we'll forget they exist again. Everything that went down over the last week in the Raiders organization I know there were a lot of pundits and a lot of rumors saying that Antonio Brown did this on purpose and this was his way out. And I mean, I'm not really so sure that I believe that he caused a scene and allowed his release so perfectly. Part of me also does believe that, you know, when you do have Drew Rosenhaus behind the scenes trying to recoup a situation to get him to a better place, clearly he was unhappy. We have said this a number of different times. Here on the Fox and Fallon program, we have been outspokenly against Antonio Brown and all of his antics. He knew that it was a mistake the second he signed that contract. So am I surprised that he left the way that he did? No. No. I I mean, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head bringing up Drew Rosenhaus because I don't think that Antonio Brown went into this offseason anticipating that he wouldn't be an Oakland Raider. I don't think this was some big plan that he devised behind the scenes. However, once things did start to go south and all of a sudden he was going to be on a week-to-week paycheck, let's be honest, as much of a pain in the ass as he is, he's a way too good of a player and way too valuable of an asset to be being paid week-to-week, not on a legitimate contract. And he goes and says, listen, dude, the Patriots are willing to give up a first-round draft pick for you. Go play for them, make your $9 million guaranteed, and try to win a ring. I mean, this isn't a hard sell. You know, it's a really weird thing that everybody thinks this is some massive conspiracy when Antonio Brown's made it pretty clear in the past that he was interested. I mean, he kind of hinted at this kind of stuff before. He's been chummy with Julian Edelman in the past. This is not, didn't come completely and totally out of nowhere. And with someone with his kind of ego, knowing Belichick and the Patriots wanted him goes a long way. I have a, I, something just came to mind that I have to bring up. Do you remember in the off season when Odell Beckham was like again and again tweeting at Tom Brady or yes. posting pictures with Brady? There was a rumor that came out, a rumor or more of a statement, all these conspiracy theories about the Patriots attempted to trade for Antonio Brown in the offseason. And the Steelers made it very clear they were not trading to the Patriots right. or within the division. Right. Do you believe that Odell Beckham had some hunch that they he knew that Antonio Brown was trying to get to the Patriots and that's why he acted the way he was on social media towards Tom Brady? Yeah. Because he knew that like he was looking for an explosive big personality guy like AB to join him in the in the locker room? What are I don't your think it's that much of a stretch because I think Odell Beckham, he's been more outspoken than just about anybody in the league in sort of uh, fanboying over Tom Brady and the Patriots, even when he was on the Giants and now still, once he was even on the Browns. So it's we're in a different era, Courtney. There was a time when you, if you weren't on the Patriots, you were against them. There was a time where it was cool and en vogue to think you could beat them and kind of put on that bravado. Now players are looking at this and they're saying, Brandon Cooks went there and almost won a ring. And 
Randy Moss went there and almost won a ring. Which one of us is going to be the top number one receiver to go in there and be Tom Brady's buddy and go and win a, win a ring with them? And I don't, you know, it, these aren't the days of old. The Patriots have won yeah. too much for people not to want to go play there. And I think that people still have it in the back of their heads that if you're not on the Patriots, you're against them. And the fact of the matter is, that's how it feels for the fans, but that's not how it feels for the players. Lane Johnson and all the bullshit talking about how the Patriots don't have fun, we've proven that wrong time and time again. It's tired. So guess what, guys? People want to go play for the Patriots. He's going to go there and make $9 million, probably go to the Super Bowl, and then he's going to get the contract he wants somewhere else anyway. This is how this works. It's not that hard. You took the words out of my mouth. The first thing, my first reaction after this deal happened, like, okay, that's great. Play for your one-year $15 million contract, $9 million guaranteed. Hit whatever benchmarks that you get. Get all the money that you need. Right. And then in, in February... We'll trade you away. It's like it's like a fucking midseason loan. It's yeah. it's literally we're gonna loan you for a season, get you a championship, because now clearly Bill Belichick is going all in with all the roster moves that he's making, trading Demarius Thomas away. I mean, picking and choosing. I mean, it's like every day he drops a player off of his roster. I'm not saying Obi Melifonwu is a, is like an all pro cornerback, but I mean he's picking up big names, dropping them on the waiver wire, then picking them up the next day. This is kind of I'm really impressed. This is next level Bill Belichick personnel moves. I know you gotta give some credit to Nick Casario as well, but I'm really impressed with the way that they're trying to tinkle Tinkle? Tinker. Tinker. <laughs> Tinker. Tinker. Yeah, maybe Tinkle. Tinker this roster in the way that he wants to, to get a championship team. Because next weekend in Miami, it's not going to be pretty. Because I think that the Patriots right now, just given everything, if they really believe that this is Tom Brady's last year in New England, and this is their last shot, they're going all fucking out. 2007, Savage Style, where they're just going to obliterate people on the offense because this team looks like a well-oiled offensive juggernaut. It does, and it looks like they might have the best defense they've had since the first dynasty. I mean, they are stacked. That secondary is insane. And I have to say before we move on from this topic, I truly cannot believe Bill Belichick got the Jets to give him a sixth-round draft pick for a guy he cut last week. This guy is like, he's like a Jedi mind trick. The Jets are a division rival, and he got them to give him a sixth-round draft pick for a player they know full well we don't need because we have Nikhil Harry waiting in the wings to come back after week eight. Like, they should have been like, dude, cut him. We know you have to. No one can call his bluff. No, because it's totally wild. Because the Jets knew. It's totally wild. The Jets knew that they wouldn't have their chance to get a guy like this if he dropped <laughs> to the waiver wire. That's just that's just that's just to be honest. Listen, Tanya, I think you and I know very well that Bill Belichick lost hours of sleep <laughs> knowing that he lost he's probably sitting there counting how many sixth and seventh round draft picks he lost over the last week or so and being like my god i can't believe that i lost those guys he's like Steve, he's like he's Steve, like how those- many how many six he's like dad Stop. We have plenty of fifth and sixth round draft picks. No, I need more. How many? How I need many? more. I need them all. He's like he's like a beautiful mind just drawing on a window, like doing math. You're like, dude, relax. Goodwill hunting status. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right, topic number two. The good, the bad, and the ugly of NFL week one. Should we go tit for tat on this one? Let's like go good, for, good? Yeah, let's go. Good, good, bad, 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 ugly, yes. ugly. Let's do it. All right, you start. So my good for this week is in typical Tanya Ray Fox fashion, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Dalvin Cook 
running back. Boss. For the Vikings. He bossed out. They, they came beat, out of they nowhere. They beat the Falcons, man. Well, he didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, the Vikings were already a good team. However, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek because he carried that offense to a, in a, a convincing, absolute destroying of the Falcons. Debacle. It was a, it was a true nightmare for Atlanta. The, the funny part about it is that Kirk Cousins threw 10 passes in that game, okay? Now, we are have to move forward. Tanya, you like knowing, that. We have to move forward with the Vikings, knowing they have an excellent defense, knowing they have an incredible running game, and knowing that Mike Zimmer was like, hey, bro, I mean, you don't even have to even pass today. Don't even <laughs> worry about it, buddy. Like, And there's people out there who are like, can you believe it? They didn't even need Kirk Cousins to pass. He just 8 of 10, just clean sweep. Excuse me? I understand that it's a great thing to see Dalvin Cook killing it and the Vikings defense killing it, but the best part about this in my evil little brain is that we have to now pretend Kirk Cousins is good because he only threw 10 passes. It's one of the most mindfucky things I've seen any team do to convince us that they're fine when they're clearly not in so long. To be to go back to being genuine about this, I think that Dalvin Cook was incredible and he's going to obviously be the staple of a team that could win the NFC North. Uh, and, I, and I really didn't think that they could going into this. So I found that impressive. Courtney, what is your good this week? All right, so my good is merged with my bad. Perfect. The Ravens. And Lamar Jackson, Tanya, this is everything that the NFL needed and wanted to see. One of my dark horse favorites, but Lamar Jackson is a dual threat quarterback, better than Michael Vick. I mean, this guy took over and had a perfect quarterback passer rating. 324 yards, five touchdowns on 20 pass attempts. We want to talk about... Yeah. Pass attempts here, <laughs> know, 10 wild. for Kirk Cousins, 20 for Lamar Jackson. The Ravens were, yes, playing the tanking Miami Dolphins, but Lamar Jackson was unbelievable. And Hollywood Brown, he was incredible. What a what a steal for them in the draft. He turned out to be the perfect weapon for Lamar Jackson. It was truly a, like a delight to watch the Ravens, and I can't say that I've said that very often in my life. As we're talking about Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, we're big explosive plays 83 yard touchdown 46 yard touchdown clearly that dolphins defense is terrible they let xavian howard walk right they they, they I, traded I, him. i'm not even gonna lie i know i, I think they traded him away yeah. big mistake by stephen ross by doing this because now everyone on the miami dolphins wants out i'm so sorry brian flores this has nothing to do with him being in the belichick coaching tree are we this into, is are just we into your bad oh we're, we're we're well into my bad right now <laughs> There were about maybe, I don't know, maybe 10,000 people in the stands in Miami. Shame on you, Miami Dolphins, for letting go of every veteran that they had last season. Cam Wake, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Cam Wake, I covered him for years. There is no better player. Where is Cameron Wake now? Cameron Wake is with the Tennessee Titans, who also won on Sunday. Oh, he he was destroying Baker Mayfield? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, all of those veterans who were sad a few months ago about being let go by their franchise because they didn't do anything wrong should not feel sad today. No. Because that situation down there in Miami, good riddance. Yeah. I good mean, riddance. Not only that, but, you know, talk about the conspiracy theories for the Patriots. You think, hey, maybe Brian Flores going down, taking it for a season just to help his boy Bill out one more for the road. Get those Patriots one more before Tom Brady gets out of there. I mean, I don't think that any of this has to do with them losing two. They're going to no, kick their ass not. anyways. No, 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 two games not. of the season. I know. So for the first time for the first time in our like 
young lives, Courtney, we can actually go down and confidently say the Patriots will beat the Dolphins in Miami. In Miami, because I, 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 I have I have witnessed I have witnessed. There you go. <laughs> like I have witnessed many games where there was jubilant celebrations over them beating the Patriots and a lot of back talk. And do we remember the Miami media blowing it in the Patriots' face when they won that miracle? on the last play of last season saying, ha ha, how about when the Patriots lose in the AFC Championship game, they're going to remember this game that they lost in Miami on a last second play where Gronk couldn't tackle the guy in the end zone. Narrator voice, they did not lose the <laughs> AFC <laughs> Championship game. And, and look at you now. Go on to win a sixth, sixth Super Bowl. This I, has I don't been know. a Tanya Ray Fox production. I, no, for real, like, I, I surrendering the fucking season. They could Goodbye. put Julian Edelman in as quarterback. Never have Tom Brady touch the field and still beat the Dolphins by forty-five down there. Uh, maybe they will. Genuinely, maybe they will. <laughs> that'd be amazing. I mean, but all right. So, are we predicting? I, you know what? Now the Fox and Fallon crew is going to predict the Wildcat play where Julian Edelman takes a snap and throws a touchdown in Miami. That would be the biggest fuck you. Wouldn't be the first touchdown. I mean, but I'm just saying, that would be fantastic. I'm I'm ready for it. How much did you love them rolling out the trick play, Julian Edelman, back to to James White the other day? It was like, they were like four minutes into the game. It was such a weird, like, fuck you, we know we're going to beat you. (laughs) We're pulling this out. We're not even pulling this out late in the game. We're going to just, like, take a chance on it early just to demoralize the shit out of you. And then Big Ben with his fat-ass neck just sitting on the sidelines, sweating on himself. God, it's so glorious to beat the Steelers. It truly is. He really just regretted chugging, shotgunning those three beers in the parking lot before the game. Speaking of which, that gets directly into my bad. I cannot sit here and say... I saw that beatdown coming. I know the Patriots play the Steelers well. I know all the pundits told me this week how well the Patriots always match up with the Steelers and the way they play never goes well against the Patriots. And now Big Ben's had to go into as many Patriots banner championship celebrations as he has for his own fucking team. I know all of that. But to show up, With the improved line that Ben had, which he did have a lot of protection. They did a great job of keeping him protected during the game. To show up with that, and James Conner, and Juju Smith-Schuster, and to score a single field goal has to be one of the more embarrassing games I've watched them play. And I I agree. That's my bad. The Steelers... The Steelers were the favorite coming into this. They are in a very competitive division. They don't have games to lose like this. They have to figure out their identity. And they not only did they not figure anything out this week, I think they went backwards. I think they're more confused than ever now. I have to agree with you on that. And I'm just shocked at the way that they completely dismantled them on offense. You and I were texting during the game. You're like, ooh, Brady looks a little tight on his throws. I hope he loosens up in the second (laughs) half. And then all of a sudden I get a text and we're like, whoop, guess not. Nailing Dorsett. He was like, now seems like a good time to make Philip Dorsett look like Jerry Rice. Let's do it. Yep. Like, come on. All right. So moving into my final part of the segment, ugly. My ugly, Courtney, Jameis. Mother lobster loving Winston. I I've never been a I fan of Jameis Winston. Cannot first of all, I mean ugly like in the literal sense. He's fat. He he does not look like he's in shape. He threw two pick sixes in week one with his brand new head coach, who's known for being a quarterback guru in Bruce Arians. He just is not. I don't understand how he still has a job in the NFL. I don't understand how they hired 
a guy who worked with Peyton Manning and Carson Palmer and Andrew Luck, a guy who has known for being able to elevate quarterback play. You can't you can't put lipstick on the pig court. You just no. can't. And Jameis Winston is not an NFL quarterback, and I don't want to spend the rest of 2019 watching the Buccaneers blow an opportunity to take advantage of a clearly wide-open NFC South. The Panthers, they might have a chance. The Falcons clearly have a lot of issues. The, the, Fal- the, the Falcons are still, we'll they're going to get... them later. Yeah. So, I mean, this was an opportunity for Bruce Arians to come in and have his glorious comeback, and it just, it, it fizzled off faster than it started. I disagree that the NFC South is wide open. I still think the Saints are going to go to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean... I feel for the Buccaneers. I really do. I've said it before, Jason. Why? What Jason, do you feel? because Jason Light is a, is That's a good a, friend of mine, and he's. I don't a, care if he's your friend. He's I, a bad. No, GM. but he's not a bad GM. He, is a bad he GM. just he needs to make. I mean, they traded away Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was their biggest mistake because they had a veteran there that was supposed to take the reins away from this this nobody chance that they took on a quarterback. Like Jameis Winston, they got rid of Mike Evans. I mean, they have no receiving core down there, okay? They had something. Uh, listen, O.J. Howard is not the answer. They've done some very questionable things. They've had it going there, and they had something going with bringing in a veteran quarterback that was going to tutor Jameis Winston. But there's so many. There's there's only so much time that the pundits can say. When are you going to use this old guy and start using the future and someone that actually has a lot more legs in the league? Okay, so that's their mistake. My ugly has to go to the Arizona Cardinals. Granted, yeah, they did make a glorious comeback against the Lions and tied like kissing your sister. Okay, I hate that. Poor Kyler Murray. (laughs) There was a point during that game where Kyler Murray was sacked by his own leaping offensive lineman. He goes to make a play, makes a scramble, and this offensive lineman, I don't even know how the hell it happened, like, leaped over the linebacker to tackle his quarterback. Your offensive line was bad enough before. Get it together, okay? This guy has a lot of promise. In order to make yourself a complete embarrassment and avoid Cliff Kingsbury getting fired after one season, you got to figure this the fuck out because that was just the most embarrassing thing I've seen all day. I mean, you can't have a guy who's five foot nine lining up behind center and then trying to throw the, the way he throws his passes is like he's Pat Mahomes. He doesn't have a full. He doesn't release at the top of his extension. Yeah, but no so one should. No one the, should be practicing like Pat get, Mahomes yet. But all of them get batted down. He's yeah. short. And his form isn't good enough yet, so he needs to work on his release point. And I mean, that guy—we've seen how Russell Wilson and Drew Brees have to throw the ball in order for that to compensate for their height. Yeah, he's not there yet. The defensive line was just—they were getting hands on those balls all day. And so I think what happened with your offensive lineman that ended up accidentally sacking his own quarterback, the dude probably saw a massive guy coming at him, knew the ball was going to get batted down, and did his best to get there, <laughs> and just tried to run backwards. It, you're right. It was, you know, to some extent so he redeemed himself in the fourth quarter in overtime. And, and I was impressed with what he was able to do once he got a little bit of momentum. But it ended with another ball being batted down. That's how the tie ended up getting sealed for the deal. And it's like, shit, like this was the first overall pick is a guy who can't get the ball over the hands of the of opposing defense. All right, moving on. Topic number three. Who stood out to you as early contenders in the AFC? I think... My first one, again, the Baltimore Ravens are still, in my eyes, going to be there at the very end of the season. So it's interesting because as we prepared for the season, we knew that Lamar Jackson had an opportunity to be special. But he wasn't in the conversation the same way that Baker Mayfield was. 
Um, so the Ravens have worked themselves into the conversation really quickly. I think that we have to see them play a better team before I can buy all in on them as legitimate contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, for me, I think the team that I was most impressed by in the AFC after everything was said and done, obviously outside of the Patriots, the Titans. Well, no, it was not. I actually, I don't know what to think about the Titans, but I will never, ever believe in Marcus Mariota. But that's a totally, that's a separate point, right? That's, that's, that's on a different level. Um, I really, honestly, I, I liked what the Texans did last night. And I have to tell you, Court, I'm a Texans hater. I've always said they don't have it together. Yeah, you were not, were we like, not talking about this like, podcast last week? I don't like Bill everything? O'Brien, and I still think Bill O'Brien mismanaged the, the defense on, at the very end of that game. He was basically ended up in a prevent defense when all, when all Drew Brees needed to do was get into field goal range. It was a horrible call. But Deshaun Watson, watching him put together a touchdown drive in like 30 seconds, just clinical. It was yep. so impressive. And knowing that J.J. Watt had a horrific game and that he's not always going to be that bad and seeing how close they came to beating a very irritated Saints team in New Orleans where it's incredibly hard to play, I was just impressed. And then seeing, you know, I don't believe in the Titans because I don't think Marcus Mariota can keep it together and I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill. I think the Colts are better than people think they are, but I also don't know that if you go tit for tat with Deshaun Watson and your Jacoby Brissett that you can hold up. And, you know, the Jaguars are, they started, they, they, they're starting oh, Gardner Minshew poor, this poor, week. So. Poor Nick Foles. Yeah, I so I guess to me, against my better judgment right now, if I were to say who impressed me the most, coming out of week one, it was the Texans in a loss in New Orleans. Um, for the NFC, I think that, you know, it's, it's hard to discount what the Rams did. I think that they're like 100% still going to be contenders for the NFC Championship game this year. I did not like what I saw from the Saints last night. Drew Brees had he took it all the way till the fourth quarter before he decided to act like a Hall of Famer. And his every single year he's losing a yard off of his deepest ball. Um, and I, I, I just you could say the same about Tom Brady though. You really can't. I mean, if you look at the numbers, Tom I mean, Brady's but you know because there's still because he th- he always threw fewer of them than Drew Brees did. Drew Brees used to rely on the deep passes a lot more. So his it's it's a totally different situation and. For me, based on everything that we saw last week, I think my NFC team to be a contender is the Panthers. Um, Christian McCaffrey is exactly the kind of player that Cam Newton needs to be able to do what he does best, which is make sure he's throwing high percentage passes, completable balls, right? If he has the run support and he has all those scrimmage yards, they have a pretty good defense. I really like Ron Rivera as a defensive coach. I think that the Saints division rival are going to be the ones to uh, uh, unseat them in the NFC South. All right, so who impressed me from the NFC? I wish I could be sitting here talking about the Eagles, but Tanya, the Dallas Cowboys looked pretty impressive against an upstart New York Giants team. Dak Prescott had the best week one performance in quarterback rating of any Dallas Cowboys quarterback in the history of the team. Zeke looked good, shaking off some of the rust really quick from that offseason holdout. Michael Gallup, a huge breakout game. This was a guy that was very hyped in the preseason. He looked good on offense, pairing up well with Dak. The defense looked great against Saquon Barkley. He had 120 yards from scrimmage, but he only had 11 carries. So, I I mean, I I think, but I think that you have to credit the Dallas defense for shutting them down. And And really, right now, their biggest downfall comes from their head coach, Jason Garrett. 
Right. Not yeah. good at managing what's going on on the field very well. But I mean, no, he's a great locker room coach. He's a really, really good leader of men. But in terms of that's absolutely their downfall. And, and you know what, Court? I don't disagree with you. The, the Cowboys looked incredible. They looked pretty good um, to me. And I do think that they are right now. They've to me, they've edged out the Eagles as the favorite in their division. I think both those teams will make the playoffs. Yeah. And it really is going to come down to that coaching. But right now. If you were to pick one of those teams to say, hey, who could we really envision making it to the NFC Championship game? Against, I, again, yeah. against my better judgment, I think you're right. I think the Cowboys, they did what they had to do to say, hey, not so fast in Philly. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe no more Philly specials today. Huh? <laughs> How about that one? You know, so I, I, I think that's a really good pick. All right, we got some breaking news on the podcast. Tanya, do you want to read this? Read the details. It has just been published in the New York Times that there is a lawsuit uh, accusing Antonio Brown of rape, um, three incidents of sexual assault, one of which was forcible rape. Um, this woman, Brittany Taylor, uh, was a gymnast that he met in college when they were both at Central Michigan, and he later hired her as a trainer. Uh, in her lawsuit, she details some pretty graphic instances of assault and forcible rape. So as we continue to learn more about this story, we'll continue to take that into consideration in our coverage of Antonio Brown. Obviously, everything that we've talked about in this podcast thus far was before we found this out. This is obviously incredibly disturbing. And if these allegations are true, and we can't speak on that quite yet, but it's a it's a legitimate report. And we're going to take it seriously for now. I imagine that this is going to be a story that carries through the week, Courtney. And uh, carries through the week rather than the season. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, as, as, as we cover it. You yeah. Know, um, All right. So this is my biggest question right now. Um, do the Patriots activate Antonio Brown for week two? Yeah, I don't think so. I think that this is going to, because the NFL is actually doing an investigation, she is cooperating with the NFL, which is, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it's hard to keep these things straight, but it is pretty unique for a victim to fully cooperate with the NFL in an investigation. So if that's the case, that will be a part of what the Patriots consider as they decide what to do with Antonio Brown currently. Would this have come out? If he was still on the Raiders, well, we can't really. Ask I that just, I mean, I, I don't. We don't actually know. We don't. Is, you're we being... don't know what the machinations were behind this because we don't know that this wasn't a lawsuit that was in place long before this news came out. It's not like she just decided two seconds ago to do this. We don't really know the time frame, so I don't want to speak on it. Um, you know, I, I don't like when people start saying, "Oh, the timing is fishy on these sort of things." Um, coming forward about rape and assault is never an easy thing to do. So if if something like that did happen. I don't want to question the timing as if, you know, this person is some jaded NFL fan. I want to treat her as a human being. And I want to treat Antonio Brown as a human being and say that, you know, as this unfolds, it's going to be about information and not about bias. You know, a statement from Antonio Brown. So Darren Heitner, who represents a lot of NFL players uh, in trademarks and in other legal situations, has released a statement acknowledging that he has been named in a lawsuit filed in the federal court of Southern Florida and basically denies all allegations. I think that that's all we have to cover on this podcast because listen, I don't have a lot. I don't have a legal degree. You don't either. And we don't have enough information, but it's important that we don't do an entire podcast about football today without acknowledging that. So we will continue to follow the story. I'm tired of talking about Antonio Brown. I absolutely am as well. And I think that, you know, we should just get right into our give me more, go away, get some stuff off of our chest. Courtney, I am going to change direction. I'm going to ask the universe to give me more of something for a change. Okay. Oh, I wow. usually say go away. You're usually Mrs. Negative. I Well, no, I wouldn't say negative. I would say positively critical. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
However, I'm going to say give me more of Lamar Jackson running the AFC North. So I you agree not, with me. You I agree with me on my, on my AFC Ravens. Stuff. I could not agree with you more. I went into this season. I loved Baker Mayfield. Team Baker Mayfield. I'm not off that bandwagon. I think that he got a little bit unfairly blamed for some things that went down in Cleveland. He has no offensive line. I think Big Ben is still the piece of shit he's always been. Never liked him, never will. And I hope he has a down season compared to last year. However, my boy Lamar Jackson is easy to root for. And he has made me enjoy watching Ravens football for the first time in a while. Um, I think that he is incredibly likable. He's kind of shy and like, cute and whatever. He's a really he, damn good football he's player. He's a great football player. Um, the idea that they can do some fun things on offense that we haven't seen in a while the, with the dual threat talent that you mentioned. I just think it's interesting that after all the hubbub this offseason with the Browns maybe being Super Bowl contenders and the Steelers getting better now that they've lost Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, it turns out that the man we were looking for was under our noses the entire time. And I couldn't be more pleased that they are not on the Browns or the Steelers. Look at this young kid doing it for Baltimore. I'm into it. I'm just really excited to have a new adversary that honestly is a lot different from what we've seen in the league recently. I, I love him, and I couldn't agree more with your give me more go away. My go away is these cryptic-ass tweets that Gronk is giving everyone. We talked ad nauseum on the last podcast about why Rob Gronkowski definitively was not going to come back to the NFL in his tearful plea, how football didn't make him happy and how he was moving on to the next phase in his career. Yes, he was welcomed back for the Patriots banner-raising ceremony a few nights ago in Gillette. As was, like, everybody. Else. As was everyone. I mean, I saw goddamn Drew Bledsoe there giving Tom Brady hugs Old in the locker Drew, room. Which, Nathan you know, he was like, we get a win, everyone gets bottles of my wine from Walla Walla, yeah. Washington. All right. By the way, Drew Bledsoe, please send us some. What the hell? Yeah, exactly. Why aren't we on the list? I, I, I need some more. Um, Kronk tweeted, and this was after an interview that he did. I don't know if this was a pizza review with Barstool, but I mean, my friend Prez at Barstool, always trying to break some news, Your tweeted friend. something. I love him. I know. You don't speak for him. I do love Prez. He's a hometown guy. Better. He's a hometown guy. I, he had some tweet and was like, Week 14, it was basically Prez putting words in Gronk's mouth and saying, yeah, week 14, you're coming back, right, right? And then he, Gronk's like, yeah. Rob Gronkowski tweeted today some, like, double eye emoji, like, ooh, right before they traded away Demarius Thomas. Everyone needs to go away on the thought that Rob Gronkowski is coming back this season because he's not. Well, he, How? Keeps, he keeps teasing. God people. damn it. How many times do I have to say it? Stop it. Stop it with this nonsense. He's not coming back week 14. He's not coming but back week like 16. you don't like the that he's teasing people. I don't give a fuck, okay? He's not coming back. And stop with this bullshit of the tease. Because we all agree that Rob Gronkowski is the ultimate oxymoron. He gets a script and he talks about it. And then he likes to tease people and he says, well, ha, ha, ha. He's not coming back. Okay, and if I hear on the news this week, whether it's ESPN or Fox Sports One, I'm sorry, Tanya, for all the shows they that you have run. Headlines. I mean, but I'm, they I'm just have pundits talk. Talking yeah, heads exactly. Some to all the talking heads. If I hear anyone breaking down their analytics on Rob Gronkowski's double eye emoji tweet, I will lose my goddamn mind. Yeah. Go away, Gronk. Like just, just, just 
Stop! Enough not, of it! You know, Enough I, of it! I'm not as annoyed by Gronk. As it just you pisses are, me off. Like, and no, I'm so or, sorry. I don't know some sage or sorry. something. We will I'm get, sorry. We will get just, you to a place of zen. I promise you. It just annoys the hell out of me. Stop okay. it! It's gonna be okay. I think. That Gronk misses being a part of the zeitgeist. <laughs> no, but like enough right of this crap. I think enough I think of this crap. I think you're taking enough of this crap. I think you're enough taking of some this crap. serious Antonio Brown angst right now. On I just no. I we're, just oh, it's we're just tired. Enough. Right now. We're tired. I was Patriot up at fans. six a.m. It is oh, six thirty. She says to the girl who gets up at five a.m. Oh, day. be quiet. Oh, you, you just that's enough out of you. Enough right. out of you. I think it's enough out of both of us. <laughs> All right, goodbye. <laughs> I think that we're gonna end this podcast on a high note. We'll be excited to talk to you episode 25. Until then. Ooh, have a se- quarter century. Until then. Quarter century. Quarter century old, kids. That's that's for Andrea Fox right there. We'll be talking to you after the Patriots beat down in Miami. Until then, oh bye. Bye. Adios, amigos. Honestly, hot dog's not. I no like. You no like? No. Me neither. I ate some really dope nachos during the preseason game. All nachos are dope. Listen. Oh, yeah, those club seat nachos? Those club seat nachos, they had the bar. And it was, like, pretty plain when I got them. Yeah. I I just, like, I like a professional, and I am. I just dosed on those those toppings, did the scallions, light tomatoes, nice. extra cheese. Like it was real fucking pretty. Luxury sweet chicken fingers with all the sauces. Luxury sweet Your chicken fingers are the, the same, fingers, are the same nasty chicken fingers they in every... Not. They are not. Yes, they are. I promise you they're not because they have a crisp, there's like a crispier coating Oh, there's a crispier coating? It's a, it's a, it's a, oh, a, cri- a crispier coating. It's crispier? Are you a food analyst now? Yeah. I'm uh, just going to call you, me, I'm going to call you the blonde female Guy Fieri. They call me ten, Chicken Tender Ray Fox. <laughs> and we're just going to take Tanya to Flavortown. All day, every day. What's the sauce that he uses? Guy Fieri? Oh, I don't know. It, no, there's like something he calls it. It's a, it's a really gross word. It's called donkey sauce. How gross is that? I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to stick with my OGs in New York. Oh, a new fried chicken restaurant serves 22 new dipping sauces. Oh, wow. That sounds fantastic. No, I'll a, stick with honey mustard. Foxwoods. <laughs> 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 okay, now.